It's the Dogcast, episode number 264. Fall camp is upon us, and we've got a guest host in the bunker. the Dogcast, episode number 264. Guys, it is almost time for football. We are back in the bunker. We are getting ready. for. Pre- we're doing pre- pre-fall camp right now. Um, we've got 29 practices. We've got four down and 25 to go before we meet the Boise State Bull- the Boise State Broncos in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. And tonight in the bunker, we have a special guest host. Uh, recent graduate, Drew Van Gorp, Drew, if you've listened to the show since the beginning, you know we affectionately call him the Count. Drew, you're in the bunker. You're on the Dogcast. How does it feel to be making broadcast history? I mean, it's amazing. I mean, this place is – this place – I didn't know that the security was so high. I mean, I had to get my credentials for weeks and get all the application and crap to get down here, but – it's, it's a pretty good place you got down here. I'm really excited to be on the show. It's a big deal to be in the bunker. I mean, and not everybody gets to see the bunker, so you should feel you should feel honored. You really. Yeah. So uh, you know, we've got as I said, we've got four practices down. We got 25 to go. You know, um, we did two practices in shorts and helmets. We did a couple practices with only shoulder pads, and the guys are going to be in full pads, full speed, full contact tomorrow, Monday. Um, what have you What have you been thinking about practice so far? Especially, you know, a lot of guys are talking about the dream team. Everybody wants to know how Crowell looks and guys, you know, the new freshman recruits as well as guys like John Jenkins in from JUCO. Um, what have you thought about? What have you thought about what you've seen and heard out of uh, Isaiah Crowell? That's what everybody wants to start with. Yeah, I mean that that really is the the kind of the, the headline. I mean, if you look at, you know, oh here's a bunch of pictures from the practice. About 60% of them are of Isaiah Crowell, you know, which is kind of funny to me, considering he's about 180th or 100th or whatever it is of the the whole players. Sure. That's interesting. You know, uh, to me, as long as we're not hearing things like he doesn't know what the heck he's doing, you know, he's fumbling all over the place, I think the more of that, the better, because there's going to be a learning curve for anybody, any kind of freshman, especially a freshman with a lot of pressure at a, you know, a pretty important position. So just as long as I I hear the things as – you know, he's just grinding. He just keep, you know, keep working hard. You know, that, that's really all I expect from him. And, it, you know, hopefully by the time the practice is over, we're hearing some guys on defense saying, wow, that guy can really move. That guy can, you know, make me miss or, you know, he's tough to bring down. Those, the, the kind of things that you actually that we heard about in no Sean, say, around, you know, the fall 2006. Right. Well, you know, uh, Coach McClendon has been saying, you know, he's really picking up. You know, he's picking up the picking up the playbook. He's really picking up the signals. He seems very coachable. You know, a lot of talk, a lot of people, and I was seeing a lot of this on Twitter and things like that. A lot of people were dragging Isaiah, you know, a couple weeks ago, saying that you know the rumor was he had a bad attitude. He had a little mouth on him. He was a little bit of a diva. Maybe he wasn't in shape like he's supposed to be. I really think that kind of stuff has been put to rest. I mean, the word is, and if anybody's seen him, I've seen him in practice, and those little media we get the 15 minutes um the kid is definitely in shape and he definitely you know he's a freshman but he clearly 
is, I think, a grinder. He has the right attitude. He's excited about being in practice. Coach McClendon says he takes football seriously. It's serious business for him. And so far, you know, Coach Rick is saying the right things. I don't think there's there, – there hasn't been one negative comment about his work ethic, about his mental preparation, about his mouth, about his, his physical conditioning. I haven't seen one negative thing. And, and like you said, I don't think there's another freshman in the country that has as high of expectations and as much pressure as Isaiah Crowell. I'm telling you know, that, that, that's, that's probably safe to say. Yeah. I, I agree, but I'll tell you, you know, there's been some other – you were talking about things. You know, you've seen all the news too. I'm telling you, Malcolm Mitchell, have you seen the video? Have you seen him in practice? That kid – you know, the thing everybody keeps telling me is how fast he is. That guy has really quick feet. He explodes off the line of scrimmage. And I, yeah, I – go ahead. I hate to get uh, so excited about a guy, but tell me what you think. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's two different kind of speeds in football. There's 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 raw track speed or guys who are track stars. Those guys, you know, have this top end speed where once they get going, you know, they're gone. But that doesn't really translate 100% to football because you can have guys that are super fast that maybe don't get going fast. Malcolm Mitchell is the kind of guy that would he's gonna be he's a perfect 40 yard dash runner. His acceleration and his quickness and really his agility is really what's gonna separate him is, is from the other things I've been hearing. So that really excites me because. You know, that that is not something we're, we've been missing, but that's something that A.J. Green did not have. A.J. Green was a great route runner, great everything, all and all be all, but he was never going to be a guy that could run the shuttle cone in world-class time. This Malcolm Mitchell guy apparently is, you know, the kind of guy that could juke out anybody, you, you know, make a guy miss. And all you need is a foot when you're a receiver to get, a, you know, to get to, just get to that ball. And so how, how, hearing all the things we've heard about him is, is pretty exciting. Yeah, you're hearing the defensive back saying there's nobody on the team that starts and stops and starts again as fast as this kid. And you know, he's already ahead of he's already ahead of Troop on the depth chart. You seen that? I mean, yeah, I've heard of that. I heard that. The guy is making waves, man. I'm telling you, he's already moved past Troop on the depth chart, and he is breathing down Marlon Brown's neck. You know, and that's the kind of competition we need. I mean, oh, yeah. I, competition. I, I'm all about uh, competition and the way it makes everybody on the team better. Um, Malcolm Mitchell, golly, I'm telling you, I'm trying not to gush about this kid, but I'm excited about the possibility of another freshman playmaker kind of not coming out of nowhere. But, you know, he wasn't like the guy to watch. I mean, he's not, you know, guys are talking about Jay Rome. They're talking about Ray Drew. They're talking about Isaiah. You know, nobody was talking about Malcolm Mitchell being part of the dream team last fall or not a lot. You know, it wasn't the popular thing to talk about. Well, and, you know, coming into fall, we didn't really know what position he was going to play yeah. you know, over the summer. You know, he was either going to be a cornerback receiver and, we kind of were, you know, I, I think he was recruited more as a cornerback. You know, that's people what thought they were going to, you know, play back in, when he signed was he's probably going to be a corner, but maybe play a couple plays on offense. Now it seems like he's 100% offense. No doubt. There's no doubt he's 100% offense. And uh, talking about guys playing up both ways, you know, or the possibility of playing both ways, we've been talking a lot about Brandon Smith in practice, too. The other number one. You know, Brandon Smith and Isaiah both want to wear the number one. And, uh, you know, that's okay as long as they're not both on the field at the same time. And if you talk about Brandon Smith being on offense, that wouldn't work, you know. But Brandon Smith has been lighting it up. With Brandon Boykin sidelined with a hamstring injury, Brandon Smith has been lighting it up on defense, man. He had like five picks in one practice the other day. 
I, th- I think Rick said that was the most picks he's ever seen in a practice. Oh, man, I'm telling you, he's an looking unof- good. An unofficial practice record. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's looking great, man. And, uh, you know, and plus, you know, as all these guys are growing in the program, it's Grantham's second year. I would expect it's also, uh, you know, defensive back Scott Licatos is also his second year. So everybody's kind of, everybody should be moving faster and knowing more about what's going on on the field and what their assignment is than we had last year. And I, th- I hope that's going to translate on the defense to a lot more success. Absolutely. How about Damian Swan, another kid coming out of nowhere, not a part of the Dream Team. I mean, he is a part of the Dream Team, I guess, technically, but not one of the big-name guys. But Damian Swan coming in looking good also as a cornerback, a freshman, true freshman cornerback in this recruiting class. He's been getting a lot of talk. Uh, you know, guys like Sanders Cummings, Brandon Boykin, they've been talking about Damian Swan looking really good back there. And he's getting a lot of reps, again, with guys like Jakar Hamilton, Brandon Boykin, sideline with these hamstring problems guys like swan are getting a lot more playtime. you know have you heard i mean what have you heard anything about uh damien swan you know i you know i've heard he's been you know good whatever but just kind of to me it's kind of an overall thing for the entire secondary and it, and it seems like we're in a better position because you know honestly um you know there's been kind of it, it's kind of a transition from scott lakatos he yeah. Put, you put in one year one, and he, he doesn't really have his type of guys. You know, we don't we stopped recruiting, uh, you know, guys like Prince Miller who were about my height, which is not great. You know, I, don't, <laughs> right. I, I don't like being in the I don't like being in the dining halls and being behind in line to the guy that plays cornerback who starts. I don't that wasn't a fun feeling for me back when I was in school, and so seeing seeing the taller guys and just the whole process, the whole learning, you know, because. I think there was a great quote from man. It was either I think it was Asher Allen. I can't remember. I don't don't quote me on this, but he said, "Yeah, you know, it's kind of a different thing from uh, what uh, Martinez is telling us." Uh, Lacos he tells us to look up and go up for the ball. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> that's awesome. So we've had now two years, you know, a year and a half of guys actually going for the ball on defense, you know, in practice being trained that way. So I mean, I don't think I, don't, I think no matter what, I, I, I see it impossible for the defense not to get better. Oh, it, just, it just can't happen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and you're right. Ain't that a great quote, man? I mean, them being <laughs> them being told, "Hey, go for the ball. Get your head around and look for the ball while it's in the air." You know, I mean, what a, what a that's like. You know, that should be inscribed on some stone tablets coming off of Mount Sinai or something. That shouldn't be something that we have to share with guys and be like fresh information for our defensive backs. But yeah, just, just keep just keep your, keep your chin down, arms up, keep looking at the guys' numbers. <laughs> I tell you, man. So. So, um, you know, um, uh, some other guys that I want to talk about, I like to talk about defense first. You know, John Jenkins, um, a lot of people it, talked about, he had a little uh, had a little trouble with heat, you know, fatigue the other day, but he came right back. Is this kid, is John Jenkins big enough for you, Drew? Well, he, had a, he had to change numbers. Do you hear about this? Yeah, I have heard about this. He had to go from 6 to 66 because they don't have a 6 big enough to work pads on. And the guy is 351 pounds, and he can run a sub-540. And, yeah, he wants to be number 6. First of all, how cool and how weird is it to have a nose guard? We're going to have a nose guard number 6. I mean, right in the middle of all the 99s and 94s and 93s, and there's the 6. I love it, and you know, and I, I think Miles Austin's at at UNC was uh, number six when he was there, and I thought it was Austin when, when he started, but uh, not Miles Austin. Who who's the who's the DT for uh, UNC? Oh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, they're talking about UNC getting the death penalty now, man. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know who the guy was at UNC. It was Marvin Austin. Marvin Austin. Was. Anyways, but yeah, John Jenkins. Let me put let me put it this way, Derek. I don't think they make guys that are six 
three or four, whatever it is, 360 pounds in, in Idaho. They don't make them there. Yeah, that, no. that, that, they have, if they want something like that guy, they're going to have to import that. That brings 4.9 speed? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and also, they kind of tantalized us with the fact that they might have some offensive packages that include this guy. You know, like like William Perry, the refrigerator-style spe- – can you imagine trying to stomp John Jenkins carrying the ball on like a third and goal from the nope. two-yard line? Didn't he play a little running back in high school? <laughs> I have no idea, dude. I the think guy he is a I, beast. I mean, he, he might have a little experience toting the rock, and that'd be, I mean, that'd be, I mean, if you had guys like Bruce Viggins. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, we already, I mean, I was going to talk about this later in the show. You got Bruce Viggins lead blocking at 280 pounds for our running back, Richard Samuel, bringing 241 pounds. We're going to have on a toss sweep, man. What is Boise State going to do with 500 pounds of running back going around this, going around the end, man? We'll, we'll, we'll make it 800, 900. Put, uh, put John Jenkins <laughs> there. I'm on the goal line? You kidding me? Good God Almighty, dude! And I'll tell you, Richard Samuel is really bringing some excitement. I mean, he's—I think he's excited to be back, having an opportunity to carry the ball. I mean, I think he had a great attitude about moving to linebacker. He was wants to do what the team wants him to do. But you know, I think this kid's got a heart for running back, and I think he's excited to be, like you said, toting the rock, dude. This everybody wants to be. I mean, let's face it, man. Running backs are going to get a little more. You know, n- Christian Robinson notwithstanding, running backs are going to get a little more love, a little more print than linebackers are, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think Richard Samuel is excited to be back in the backfield. He's got a great attitude, and his attitude and excitement, that's all I need to know because I know the kid can be productive as a running back. You know, Derek, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on this. Not that, not that Richard Samuel doesn't have a good attitude. I think Richard Samuel is uh, hes probably a saint, you know, going – all right, you know, I guess I'll move to the you know the linebacker. If you guess if it'll help the team, I'll help. You know, sure. And that's that's probably his mentality. And then moving him back to running back, he's kind of thinking to himself, well, all right, if, I guess if, if I guess if it'll help, you know, even though it's probably not the best career move. I don't know. I, no. I'm not an expert enough to to make a decision. But moving a guy back and forth like that, the thing was, I think Richard Samuel really was better suited to play running back because I don't, I never saw the vision or the or the decision making as a running back. That kind of that instinct of that instinct that no Sean had back, or, you know, your your great backs that just know when and where to cut, when to lower their hips and move. Richard Sam was more of a I'm running forward, I'm a bowling ball, and that 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 works on some plays, but other plays, yeah, I want to see him cut inside, cut outside, and, and make a guy miss as opposed to trying to bowl elbow everyone. Look, I agree, man. I do agree with you, but I'll tell you. If we can get this one-two punch, and again, I don't, I don't want to start talking about running back by committee, but with Richard Samuel being, like you said, the bruiser, Isaiah being, everybody admits, he's more of a prototypical running back. He's really more, more complete, full package. He's got the power and the speed and the agility and the cut, you know. Um, if Richard Samuel can kind of help us transition and, and give Isaiah just enough time to learn and become the kind of productive, you know, back we need him to be, maybe not in game one or game two or game, you know, I'm just saying, as a transitional type player, I like the fact that Samuel's back there. He's got experience. I'm just glad. I'm I'm just happy to have him. You know, I mean, I agree with you. It's not the best thing, and we've been jerking the kid around, and it, it can't possibly be the best thing for the kid to go from running back to linebacker, back to running back in terms of skills development and stuff, and especially with his future. But I I would rather have him than a kid like Boo Malcolm. Clearly. You know, everybody was hoping that Boo Malcolm would be the guy. You know, he, Boo Malcolm is is 
you know, losing the depth, losing the the fight right now to a walk on Brandon Harton, who is really, I mean, Brandon Harton is impressing everybody. This kid's a walk on. How do you think Malcolm feels about being behind a walk on on the depth chart? You know. I mean that's that's got to be a humbling experience. Yeah, he ain't happy about it. I'll tell you that, brother. So I'm really I'm thankful that Richard Samuel has some experience and is willing to make the move and has the right attitude. You know what I mean? Because look, let's I mean you know I'm not gonna throw stones, dude. But you talk about Caleb King, you talk about Washon Ely. I'm just happy to have a guy in the backfield that has the right attitude, has the work ethic. The guy's in shape. I'm not worried about Richard Samuel not being in shape. You know? Yeah, he looks like a beast. He does look like a beast. We freaking need. I'm glad we got him. I'm just happy to have him. I'm glad he's there. You know? Because mm-hmm. uh, we need a transitional running back until Crow and until Isaiah Crowell really. I mean, he might be the Crowell might be the man in game one. He might be the man in week one. Hey, but it, Mr. Mr. Marcus, a little north, he was the man game one. Yeah, no doubt. Marcus Lattimore was the man, and he was really the damn man in week two last year. Uh, um, yeah. Forty carries, 180 yards. But um, you know, I'm just happy to have uh, I'm just happy to have Samuel and Crowell back there. I really am. And I, I was going to talk the kid Brandon Harton. I mean, not to take anything at all away from Brandon Harton. Walk on kid is working his tail off, man. That walk on is working his butt off to get ahead of uh, Malcolm. I think on the depth chart, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we need it because I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, we're kind of you know one ankle twist, one you know heaven forbid knee injury away from from you know being be, or two away. You know, we're Brandon Harton could see the field conceivably. You need to talk yeah. about. Hell like, yeah, he could. I mean, talk about worst case scenario. You got you know, let's just say Crowell and Samuel go down. You know, we're talking Boom count. Malcolm and, and Brandon Harton, those are the two guys. You know, it's it's not that crazy. No, it's really not. Not in the SEC, buddy. Not for not right. not when you talk about a full season. You know, it's really not. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, talking about a little bit more on offense, um, Orson Charles, man. You talk about a kid who's got the right attitude, a kid who wants to play, and a kid who I have huge expectations for. I had huge expectations for him last year. You know, he's got 49 catches in his first two seasons. I'm telling you, if he doesn't exceed 49 catches this year alone, I would consider it a disappointing season for Charles. And I would, I would, I'm telling you, from Mike Bobo to Aaron Murray down to Orson Charles, somebody's not doing his job if Orson Charles doesn't get 49 catches this year. I couldn't agree with you more. I've, I've always been really high on Orson. I thought he was underutilized, underrated in everything his, his first two years here. He, he man, there, there's so many times when when Aaron Murray or, or or Joe Cox two years ago they were making their reads, and I'm sure you know they were looking where they were supposed to look. But man, was he just wide open? There's not very many you know uh, linebackers that can cover Orson Charles. There just aren't. And so this guy's mismatch.com. This guy can just create space, and I and I, I I want him to be. I want him to be Aaron Murray's check down every play. Oh man! And you know, with them both coming from, with them both coming out of Florida, same high school, I can't believe they don't have a natural chemistry. That really, I mean, that I just want to see. I want to see that happen on the field. I want to see more productivity. I mean, we're tight end school anyway. Tight ends and running backs is the mm-hmm. University of Georgia's stock and trade. You know, and we've got two great tight ends in Orson Charles and Aaron White. And I really want to see more productivity out of these tight ends. And you. You saw, um, you know, Orson Charles and Aaron Murray said after that six and seven, after that bowl game loss to Central Florida last year, you know, they kind of, you know, established a new manifesto for the program that basically said, you know, no more shortcuts, no more selfishness, no more individual goals, no more underachieving. 
No more excuses, you know? And uh, I really think Aaron Murray and Orson Charles are going to be our offensive leaders this year, and as they should be. And, and I, I throw in Ben Jones. Yeah, too. I was going to say, along with Ben Jones anchoring the line. I mean, Ben Jones, man, is he like – I mean, he is the biggest <laughs> – I love Ben Jones. He's my kind of football player, you know? Yeah, that, guy, that guy's uh, – he's old school, I, I, I'd say, you know? Yeah. He doesn't, he, he doesn't do anything fancy. He's, he, you know, he, he likes to push people. Yeah, he does, and he will absolutely punish you in the bottom of a pile too. I tell you, I think I would not want to be scrambling for a fumble on the bottom of a pile against Ben Jones. I'm telling you, that no. kid, that kid is he's he's old school. That's all I'm gonna say. That could be that guy could be hogtied, and I wouldn't want to <laughs> be near him in a, in a in a scrum. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. How, let's go back. I want to talk just a little bit more defense too before we wrap this show up, man. John Jenkins, 351 pounds, four point. 940, rare to number six. Not to take anything at all away, though, from our homeboy Kwame Gathers out of the Jumpy Gathers tree. How lucky are we to have a kid like Kwame Gathers competing with a kid like John Jenkins? I can't call him a kid. You know, John Jenkins can't even walk through the turnstiles in the dining hall straight ahead. He has to, like, turn and kind of scooch through the turnstiles. He <laughs> is like a refri- – I mean, that guy is really big. Um, but I'm telling you, between Jenkins – and gathers, anchoring the inside. It's going to let guys like Tyson, it's going to let D'Angelo Tyson get back out to the edge. You know, it's going to also, you know, one thing I want to talk about with Cornelius Washington, also sidelined um, with a hamstring pull, that's given Ray Drew a little more time to get some more snaps in, to get some more reps in. I'm telling you, Ray Drew's got a lot of promise as a pass rusher. He looks a lot like, you know, Justin Houston from a couple of years ago. I'm telling you, he could really develop into a devastating pass rushing sack machine. I think Ray Drew's got the wheels to cause a lot of destruction in offensive backfields. Well, yeah, well, and, and back to, to the the Jenkins Gathers uh, situation. Uh, to me, you have guys that big and that strong going up the middle playing nose guard every play. You, can, I don't know if you can do that. Eighty plays, forty plays, what sixty plays a game, sure. whatever, you know, all game long. But if you've got one of them out there, and then and, and another one on the bench, and you can switch them out, and each one of them can play a half a game, like you, you will not, you know, you can have a nose guard that's or nose tackle that doesn't get tired. That's going to create huge problems for an offensive line, and having being able to spell each other and kind of keep going back and forth between each other, which I think is kind of where Rick is heading in the first couple games, and then maybe eventually if we got, you know, if it's working out. Having having them both on the field at the same time, but I mean, ha- having a backup is one of them's going to be a backup. Having a backup at at, at tackle that good, I think it's just going to be awesome. I think we're, we're going to be able to bring it all four quarters, and that and that is going to open up some things for guys like Ray Drew and Cornelius Washington, and uh, you know some other linebackers. And it's also going to make life for Christian Robinson a lot easier too. I mean, all of our linebackers. I mean, you know, the the heartbeat of the three four Todd Grantham's strategy. You you. And we said this all last year, you know. I mean, last year we're running D'Angelo Tyson at nose guard. You know, this year, just think about what the difference a year makes, man. Mm-hmm. Last year, Tyson was like the biggest, heaviest guy we had on the defensive line, and he's basically a defensive end, you know. This year, we've got an interior line averaging 320, you know. We've got a lot of guys that can play interior line now. It's going to let Tyson get back out of the edge, but more importantly, it's going to let that 3-4 of Tyson. Grant them work like it's supposed to work. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's starting. I, I wouldn't say he's got completely his guys, but I mean, last year he just he did not have his guys. He took what we had at defense for you know a different system and and made it work 
maybe kind right. of, you know yeah, we we, had str- we we obviously struggled at times last year but now he's now i mean this is the if you look at the roster you you would say to me that that looks like a 3-4 roster right well, i don't think you could say the same thing last year no definitely not definitely not. i mean i'm hoping that it's going to be successful i mean it's no guarantee of success but we at least we can say this this year we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be talking about well he doesn't have his personnel i mean we we've got the people to make the 3-4 work so right. again we're back to the no excuses. I mean, we really are. And, you know, I'm not trying to paint Coach Rick into a corner either, you know. But, um, you know, coming off a of 6-7, I know Coach Rick is bringing it with the attitude. I know Orson Charles has got the right attitude. I know Aaron Murray's got the attitude. These guys have got the work ethic. And, I'm, and they have a lot fewer excuses this year than they had last year as well. Um, <laughs> I like how we just completely don't, don't even talk about Aaron Murray just oh yeah, yeah he's fine he's he's, he's only a, he's only going to be a sophomore whatever Aaron Murray's a rock dude I mean I don't yeah. need to talk to Aaron I mean he's the best quarterback in the SEC I mean you know there's nothing else you need to know about him the best quarterback in the SEC is going to show up he's going to do his job but you know you saw that thing this week too I mean you probably saw it in the press conference he's still a grinder I mean you know his numbers were good. But I think universally everybody says they could have been better, you know. And mm-hmm. the best thing I like to see is he thinks they could have been better. He knows they were supposed to be better, and he knows it's on him and on Coach Bobo to make those numbers better. He's got to be able to make plays. You know, think back to the days, you know, and I never was a huge Matthew Stafford fan. But, you know, think about the Matthew Stafford when he throws that ball to A.J. Green in the end zone to beat Kentucky. That was Matthew Stafford, like, doing stuff that, like, only Matthew Stafford could do. That's Matthew Stafford winning a football game for us, right. you know? We need – we're going to need a little more of that out of Aaron Murray this year. We're going to need him to make a play and win some games, you know? And not – we're not we're, we're going to need a lot less punts. We're going to need – we're going to need some leadership on offense that results in points in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, any time you go from, you know – a year of, of of zero experience to a year with a, with a full year under your belt. I mean, I I really think that his his reads and checkdowns will be a little bit better. There's times that he kind of maybe took off a little early that and and he's got you know a, a decent amount of wheels. He's got some speed that he can kind of get to the outside or, or make you know some linemen miss and, and get some extra yardage. But I I am looking forward to his progression and if 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 all the things are true and he's you know really is getting after it in the out you know off season doing skeleton drills and all that. I'm gonna be really excited. I agree. I agree. And I tell you, just to wrap this thing up, if any of you out there are still wondering, um, Kent Tureen, uh, linebacker, he's not going to play. I, d- I just don't think, I don't think he's going to make it. Um, he's not going to get cleared by the NCAA clearinghouse. I don't think we should be looking for him or counting on him to play. I do think Jarvis Jones is going to be cleared and we will see him on the field. Um, it, just to, just to update you listeners, uh, to keep you in the dog cast intelligentsia, make sure you're on board with the latest information there. I do think that he is going to get to play and we need him too. I really want to see Jarvis Jones on the field this year. The kid's a ball player. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, Drew, the count. You know, out of WUOG, formerly a radio guy with WUOG, you, uh, you know, took over the Tate Center, you know, kind of pissed me off when they moved all the pool tables out. But hey, um, you know, uh, good job on your first show, man. Good job. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to the, to the show before we wrap it up? You know, not, not really. Uh, just kind of really looking forward to that Boise State game. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting for me. My my very first game as a student was at home against Boise State, and, and my very first game as an alumni is going to be against 
Boise State. So How about that? You, you tell me the odds of that, but uh, really looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, love coming down here in the bunker doing the show. I'm telling you, man, it was great. And uh, all you listeners out there, as you guys know, uh, call us. Tell us what you thought of the show. Our comment line is 706-363-0210, or you can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're now listed and supported by Stitcher Podcast Radio. If you have a smartphone or if you just hit your computer, you can go to Stitcher.com. Or if you have a smartphone, iPhone, Droid, something like that, go to your app market and uh, download the Stitcher Podcast Radio, the Stitcher Radio app. You can listen to the show. You can have it directly delivered to your phone without downloading, without syncing, without streaming or any storage issues. Uh, it's a really great way to listen to the podcast. I had a guy on Twitter this week ask me. He said he was having trouble getting it off of iTunes. And, uh, you know, the best way, the coolest and easiest way to listen to the show is just to download that Stitcher podcast radio app and listen to us on Stitcher at Stitcher.com or on the Stitcher app. Um, you can follow us on on Twitter at, at Dogcast or, you know, like I said, email us at Dogcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate our listeners. We love um, the feedback from you guys. We love the phone calls. Football is close, guys. What are we, what are we, 24, 25 days away, Drew? What is that? You know, I mean, how many it, days it, left? It's something close. I can. It's it's the, not many days. I'll tell you that, bro. Twenty six days, twenty two hours, forty five minutes, and forty seconds. According as of recording time. Wow, I appreciate your precision, my friend. <laughs> um, listen, it's been great. Thanks for being on the show, Drew, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Uh, dog fans, thanks for listening, and remember, it's almost football time. Go dogs. Hey.